Hello and welcome to episode 209 of section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, joined by Jacob. Bryce isn't here with us this week. I'm on the road in Chicago in a hotel. We're all over the place a little bit right now, but Jacob, how are you? I'm okay knowing that this team's still in a playoff spot, but I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. But this series was, it was a bit of an ugly one. I'll put it that way. Yeah, it definitely was. And I mean... Yes, for Blue Jay fans, but I just want to take a moment to recognize how good the New York Yankees are. Like, there are good teams, and then there are great teams, and then there are New York Yankees right now. Like, there is an air of inevitability when you play them. And even when the Blue Jays had a lead, you just knew that the Yankees were going to come back and make it interesting at least if they're not going to win the game. So, it was crazy to watch this series. It sucks the fact that the Yankees are in the Blue Jays division, if they were in any other division, the Blue Jays would be in first place. And yet the Blue Jays are 11 games back and still having a 10 game, uh, being 10 games over 500. So it was frustrating to watch from that aspect. But yeah, the Blue Jays escaped disaster in that final game, coming back from 8-3 to win it 10-9 and hanging on at the end there with Jordan Romano getting a five-out save at the end after Adam Simber blows it after um, a couple other guys come in and don't have their best stuff. But the Blue Jays hold on. They avoid the sweep against the New York Yankees. Um, What are your immediate thoughts from this series? And, I mean, just how good the Yankees are. Well, I'll tell you what. It's very unfortunate having a coworker who is such an avid Yankee fan because I hear it every single time I go there. And he knows I'm a Blue Jay fan. It's very obvious that I'm a Blue Jay fan. I'm always streaming games. But... It like I'll give them credit. You know, I was I was I think it was the MLB's YouTube channel. I was watching the recap just before we came on, and the comments in general were like, "Yeah, both teams were good. The showboating, the throwing the bats, everything. Like it was a good series between two good teams. One team obviously came out on on top, but my immediate thoughts on this series are: this pitching staff, it's it's got to get basically back on the right track, and the offense. I don't know it. I'm willing to excuse it because, you know, we did see, I think it was Luis Severino yesterday did, yeah, he had, what, like nine strikeouts. So he, he clearly, you know, he was on his game against the Blue Jays. Yeah, nine nine strikeouts. I mean, he had four walks. He wasn't really fully in control, but he still was, you know, he had the Blue Jays numbers. And then they got shut out in that second game. Then they lost 12-3 to in the first game. So the offense, not necessarily there. But again, it's, you know, it's a really good team in the New York Yankees. And I guess the same can be said about the offense. However... It's, as you said, they just barely escaped out of this one. They were down 8-3. to three. Jordan Romano had to come in and get five outs, which, full credit to him. He, you know, he he did his job. But you look at Tim Mesa, you know, a rare rough outing for Tim Mesa. He didn't even record an out in that last game. Uh, Yumi Garcia, actually, he was he was fantastic. Three outs, or, or three strikeouts, four outs total. You look at Adam Simber, too, another kind of rough outing for him, or a rare rough outing for him with three earned runs and only an inning. It's, I, I don't really know how much we can take out of this, I think we said this the last time the Blue Jays played the Yankees, was, of course, when you're facing probably the best team in baseball, and I'll give them full credit for that, they probably are, you're going to lose games against them, you know, you're, unless, you know, you get really, really lucky and sweep them. I'm not really sure how much we can really take out of that, though, just because this is a really good team, at least with the White Sox, you know, they are, 
little bit scuffling, two games under 500, so it'll be a little bit of an interesting series as I just go through the pitching matchup, which we'll get into later. It's kind of favoring the Blue Jays right now, so I think we'll, they'll easily get back over or back on track. And as you mentioned, they are they are very good this season. They're still having a good season with a record still 10 games over 500. Like this is a good team. They're still in a playoff spot. And I said that with Bryson last week. This is still a good team. They just faced another really good team. And all I can say is I'm very happy that this division is not the be all end all for the playoffs because as you said, like if this was any other division, Blue Jays would be first. And I'm just happy that the league is not necessarily saying you either win your division or you kind of get the you know the bad end of the stick at least the Blue Jays still have a playoff spot are still guaranteed at least a couple games if the season ended today but obviously it doesn't there's still a lot of of time to you know make up ground and everything but I'm just I'm trying to take the goods with the bad series and it there were good things in this series Teoscar Hernandez Lourdes Gurriel Jr. they all had you know very good games at that last in the last game I just need to see this kind of repeated and White Sox, not necessarily the greatest team. It'll be an interesting series. The Blue Jays, you know, they do have the top half of the rotation. I'm looking to see a lot of rebounds out of Kevin Gosman. But as for the New York Yankees, like the the one thing you got to do, and the last thing I'll say here is you've got to learn to win against the Yankees because chances are you're going to play them in the playoffs at one point or, or at some point. Maybe it's the, the championship series, the division series. Won't be the wild card or... But you'll play them, I would predict you'd probably play them in some capacity or at least need to beat them to get in or something like that. Like, they're your division rivals and the season schedule still does not even out. Like It's not like next year where it's going to be more even. You're still going to play them a lot. You got to learn to beat these teams. And if you want to be one of the best teams in baseball, you got to beat them. I don't know about that. I don't know if the Blue Jays have to beat the Yankees. And let me explain what I mean by that because... The Yankees are, you mentioned you're not totally sure if they're the best team in baseball. I think it's hands down they're the best team in baseball. There's no argument right now. Yeah, maybe the Mets are up there. Yeah, maybe the Dodgers are up there. But the Yankees are doing something that is absolutely ridiculous. They have almost 50 wins without losing 20 games. If they keep that up over a full 162-game span, they're looking at 115, 120-win season. That is ridiculous levels of greatness from the Yankees that we're seeing right now. It pains me to say that because I hate the Yankees, but it's true. So to me, right now, for the Blue Jays to be successful, you don't have to beat the Yankees. Basically, as you say, with the new ba- the playoff structure, they already have the wild card spot, but now we have the additional playoff spots within the divisions, additional wild card spots. The Blue Jays don't need to beat the Yankees to get into the playoffs. Yes, they may run into the Yankees in the playoffs, but they don't need to beat them to get in there. I think it's time for us to accept as fans, and maybe this is hard to hear, but time for us to accept that the Blue Jays aren't going to beat the Yankees. They aren't a better team than the Yankees. The Yankees are just a better team than them right now. And it's okay if the Blue Jays lose to them because they're still better than the Rays, they're still better than the Red Sox, and they're still better than the Orioles. They're 11 games back in the division, but they are in second place and they're in a playoff spot. So to me, that's what matters. I've talked to couple of people who are super concerned with the results of this weekend and even entering the weekend wondering, you know, Blue Jays nine games back at first place. What's it going to take for them to catch the Yankees in first place? Now they're 11 games back, you know, hit the panic button. What did the Blue Jays do at this point to catch the Yankees in first place? And I don't think it's 
about catching the Yankees anymore. It's just about being good enough to make the playoffs as the second team in the division. Um, it's not the end of the world if the Blue Jays don't beat them. It's not the Blue Jays' fault for being in the position they are 10 games back because they're still 10 games over 500. I heard from someone who said there's absolutely no reason we should be 12 games back on them. This was yesterday before the Blue Jays won. And I mean, there is. The Yankees are 49 and 17. That's the reason. It's not the Blue Jays being terrible. It's the Yankees being incredible. It's not the Jays' fault. Put the Jays in any other division and they are in first, if if not close to first. You know, you put them in the central, they're in first place. You put them put them in the AL West, they're three games back of the Astros. Put them in the NL East, they're six games back of the Mets. The Central in the National League, they're in first place ahead of the Milwaukee Brewers and St. Louis Cardinals. And you put them in the West, they're two games back of the Dodgers. That is very, very good. The Blue Jays are a top five, top ten team in Major League Baseball. And it's just the fact that they're screwed over by divisional alignments, having to play the Yankees 19 times a year and having to line up against them in the division and in the standings that it looks ugly right now. So to anyone who's concerned about that, Yes, this series did suck. Yes, it's unfortunate that the Blue Jays didn't put more put up more of a fight in Game 1 and 2. But I think it's time that we accept that the Blue Jays, most of the time, aren't going to beat the Yankees. Now it's about just maintaining your spot in the division and getting into the playoffs. And once you're there, anything can happen. Um, do you agree with that? I know that might be a bit of a controversial take. I know a lot of people are not going to agree with you, but it it makes sense, to be fair. Like, obviously, nobody nobody on the Blue Jays is going to say, oh, well, you know, it's the Yankees. Of course, we're going to lose. Like, they're always going to say, no, we need to beat them. But if I step back, it is kind of true here because I was as you were talking, I was looking through all the win percentages and everything, and I'll take back what I said. Yankees are the best team, well, record-wise and winning percentage-wise. They have a 742 winning percentage, which... Next closest team isn't actually the next closest team is I believe the New York Mets who have a 6.47 win percentage. So, and they're five games or five wins less than the Yankees. So it's it's tough. This is a really good team, and it's it's probably well. I I, I said I took that back. It is the best team in this league, and they have you know they have MVP candidate players just kind of like the Blue Jays were last year towards the end of the season. When you look at just who they have, like. They have guys like, you know, obviously Aaron Judge, everybody knows the big name, DJ LeMahieu, still kind of scuffling a little bit, not not the greatest season out of him, but, you know, they made moves in the offseason, they're a good team, Josh Donaldson, I mean, not, you know, he's, he's there, but, you know, they have a lot of power hitters, they have their rotation, look at what Tyone was able to do to them, you know, his ERA, their entire rotation is fantastic, Tyone, Garrett Cole, who did they have, they had Nestor Cortez, another Cy Young candidate, then Luis Severino, like it's it's a pretty stacked team. I guess their bullpen is maybe their weakest point, but when when the weak link of your team is just below probably the two aspects of the team that are among the best in the league, it's kind of hard to beat them. But I I think I can put a put aside the fact that I want my team to win and agree with you on that because this is it is one of the best teams in baseball, and you know the Blue Jays. Obviously, if you want to win a World Series, you have to beat the best teams, at least in some capacity, but it's kind of tough when this team is 
is as good as it is. And I think there was a graphic at the start of the series where they were, the Yankees were six and seven, I believe, to start the season, and then they went twenty three and three or something like that. I think with the series, it's now up to twenty five and and four. So, like, they, if just with quick math, like you know that like that win percentage is ridiculous, and just the fact that you have twenty four wins, I think it is, or whatever it is, twenty five wins since basically the first week and a half of the season it's it's definitely difficult to beat them although I will say it was good to see Jordan Romano rebound and strike out Aaron Judge the guy that walked him off last time but it's it, this is a really good team and all, all I will say is this is fun to watch as a fan and you look at I think it was maybe 2015-16 where it was the Blue Jays the Yankees and then you threw in the Orioles towards the end of 2016 all fighting for playoff spots it's going to be an entertaining summer. Just you hope that your team uh, gets out on the winning end of it. Yeah. And the last thing I'll say is that the Yankees had won nine games in a row before the Blue Jays beat them in the Sunday game. They had swept the Tampa Bay Rays. They had swept the Chicago Cubs. And they had won against the Minnesota Twins, who, by the way, lead their division in the Central. So say all you want about the Blue Jays not stepping up to the plate against the Yankees, but other good teams like the Twins and the Tampa Bay Rays have also been in the same situation. So needless to say, I don't want this whole podcast to be us praising the Yankees and shitting on the Blue Jays, but the Blue Jays are a good team. Playing the Yankees and losing to the Yankees isn't a barometer of your success by itself. So we need to look past that, except the fact that the Blue Jays won one out of three, it's an all right series. We'll move on to the next one. Um, let's talk about some of the news from this week. Uh, I know you guys talked about it a little bit in the last episode, but Hinjin Ryu officially undergoing successful Tommy John surgery. He is now going to be out for at least a year. 12 to 18 months is a typical recovery time for, uh, for Tommy John surgery. And it is probably likely that he has thrown his last pitch as a Blue Jay, spending you know, two plus seasons with the Blue Jays on the field and now going to be rehabbing and um, going through all that is entailed with Tommy John surgery. Um, I know you guys probably talked about it last episode, but um, I think people can be a bit harsh on Ryu. The Blue Jays signed him as a guy who was basically the first player to fully commit to the Blue Jays' vision of a competitive team in the 2019-2020 offseason. He saw what the Blue Jays were trying to do, what they were trying to become. He stuck with them in 2020, had a phenomenal season that year, guided them to the playoffs for the first time since 2016, and then 2021, we all know the story there, starts the season well, kind of falls off towards the end of the year. But I think people who are harsh on Ryu and kind of jump to conclusions about um, him as a person and say, good, he's injured. They don't have, you know, the Blue Jays don't have to deal with him anymore and they can stick Ross Stripling in their full time. Um, I think it lacks an appreciation of what he did for this club and his commitment to this club and what he was able to see the club becoming before anyone else did. He was the guy who fully signaled that the Blue Jays were going for it, that they were turning the corner, that the rebuild was over, essentially, is what his signing indicated. So, I just wanted to take a moment to appreciate him. I know you guys talked a little bit about it last week, but it's uh, it's it sucks to see him 
miss the final year and a half of his contract with the Blue Jays, both from a baseball standpoint and from a personal standpoint for him. You want to see him succeed. He was nothing but phenomenal for the Blue Jays, for their fans. Just seems like an awesome person. So going to miss him on the field if he doesn't come back. But of course, we're hoping he gets back in time for, you know, maybe a couple months at the end of next season. Yeah, and just first off, to the people that are saying that they're happy that the Blue Jays don't have to deal with him, I can't even say what I want to say on this podcast, but that's like, that's a scumbag move right there. I'll be completely honest. That's the best way to, to p- keep it PG. Like that's, yeah, he was struggling, but it's not his fault. And at the same time, he could have gone and stayed with the Dodgers. I said this last week, he could have stayed with the Dodgers. He could have gone to, I don't know, the Giants or whatever. He could have made a lot of money on a team that was probably going to compete in, in 2020 and expect to compete in 2021. But he came here. We said this last week, he kind of started all of the the turnaround, and then you see Springer, Gosman, all these players come here. I'm not saying it's directly because of him, but it was it was initiated with him, and wish him nothing but the best. I do hope that he's back, you know, at some point next season, maybe in the playoffs, but it's, you know, it's really tough to tell, and it's unfortunate for him too as a person, you know, going into a contract here next season older guy it's going to be tough for him i think to find work i, I would I'm, I'm going to guarantee that he gets at least some contract maybe a one-year deal couple million something like that just to see what he can do but yeah nothing but the best for him and you you hate to see things like this because you know we we considered him a lock to be their ace in the rotation last season the year before and even this year we all predicted a rebound but it's unfortunately not necessarily the case at least i can say on the field it's not and I hate to put it this way, but it's not detrimental that I still think the rotation's in good shape. However, I would I would still prefer, you know, to have Hyunjin Ryu, and hopefully he's back next season, at least, or even if he's not, hopefully by 2023 he's able to rebound and get his career, you know, maybe finish off his career with a couple years of, of you know, at least four to five innings, or, or be the fourth or fifth starter, you know, throw four or five innings every couple days for a team. Yeah, you hope that he's able to do that. And yeah, probably a one-year deal after that. Maybe he can bounce back, turn into, you know, kind of that career guy who sticks around. And hopefully, we hope for the best with him. Um, In other starter news, we heard that the Blue Jays were very close to signing Justin Verlander this offseason. I'm curious what your thoughts about this are, Jacob, because, you know, we love the kind of off-season banter and talking about that kind of stuff. We don't normally get it in the middle of the season outside of the trade deadline, but apparently Justin Verlander, after the Astros, the next team involved with him and the team that he would have signed with if it didn't, if it wasn't for the Astros, was the Blue Jays. The Blue Jays could use him right now, given the fact that they have Ryu out for the season, the fact that Yusei Kikuchi is struggling, that Ross Stripling's now in the rotation full-time. The Blue Jays could use him, it would have been interesting to see him come north of the border. And personally, I don't know if it's worth the money. You know, he did get a big deal. I think it was two years, $25 million each. And I don't know if that's a price the Blue Jays were willing to commit to him, especially at his age, 39, 40-ish. Um, it would have been entertaining, though. And it would have been cool to see. And I think we all would have been excited in the moment if it happened. See, here's the thing. If the Blue Jays had... <sighs> If they had a, a top three in the rotation already, I would say go ahead, sign him. 
But the thing is, is you, it was pretty much guaranteed they were going to lose Robbie Ray. And we talked about this all offseason, the whole uh, the vaccination status and how he was using the Blue Jays as leverage to, or his camp was. They were saying, a team offered us $20 million, can you match that? Then he'd go to another team and say, the Blue Jays offered me this and whatever. So they realized they were going to lose him. You now have a hole that you need to immediately fill in that rotation. And this is before any injury news, before anything. You know you have Gosman, or you know you have Barrios, you know you have Manoa. You need another good starting pitcher if you want to compete. And obviously, if I said this back in you know November, December, I would have been eating my words now. But I'm going to still stick with it and say that it, it would have been nice to have Justin Verlander, but it's not fit for what the Blue Jays need right now. They needed a guy who you're not taking a bet on somebody. You need a guy that you can say this is going to be someone that stays in our rotation. He's going to be durable. He's going to throw a lot of innings. And you can take that chance on on Justin Verlander. I'm not saying you can't, but I don't know if I would really say 39 coming off Tommy John surgery. Is he going to be my ace? I don't know if I make that bet. And it would have paid off, obviously, for them if they did. But I, I'm happy with the decisions that the Blue Jays made. You now have Kevin Gosman for what looks like to be I guess the prime of his career. He had fantastic seasons with San Diego or San Francisco, the other San team. He had, you know, you still have Alec Manoa for a lot of years. Nate Pearson, who we still mention, Jose Brios for seven more. Like this rotation's good, and ideally you have that extra guy. But knowing what the Blue Jays need, that was not the right decision to go out and make that much of a bet on someone. It's interesting to hear that because I don't think it's that much of a bet with Justin Verlander like I know he didn't pitch at all in 2021 2020 only had one outing and you know six innings pitched and then of course going back to 2019 where he had 34 starts and 223 innings but to me it's not that much of a bet with Justin Verlander someone of his caliber and yes maybe he's old he has the injury history of the last couple years but he has a history of just always being good, always being on the field and always being good. So to me, it's not that much of a bet. To me, why the Blue Jays probably didn't want to sign him is just because it is kind of that short-term thing. The Blue Jays are right now looking for something that's longer term, like the Kevin Gosman deal ended up being five years long. I think that's more within their target window of signings and and what they're trying to do and even Yusei Kikuchi signing him it was three years even though he's obviously not you know a a cornerstone of this team it was a little bit longer than the two-year deal that Justin Verlander got and if I remember the details of Verlander's deal correctly I think he has an opt-out after the first season so it's basically a one-year 25 million dollar deal with the potential for him to choose to make it go to another year. So I don't know if the Blue Jays, assuming they got the exact same deal, which of course we know they didn't, they probably offered a little bit less, let's call it $40 million. But assuming the Blue Jays were going with the exact same thing, I don't think they wanted that deal because of the lack of, I guess, assurances past this season. It was probably going to be a one and done type thing. And as much as we know, the Blue Jays are competing for this season they're also competing in future seasons they're going to be trying to compete in 2023 and 2024 and 2025 so I'm not sure that a one-year deal plus the potential of a second year is really what they were looking for and I think if we're talking about where they wanted to spend money it was more on the 
types of players like Kevin Gosman who can commit for five years. You're not going to sign Justin Verlander at the age of 39 to a five-year deal. That's just not going to happen. For the rest of his career, he's signing one-year and two-year deals until he retires. So to me, that's the aspect of this that didn't totally fit. But again, there's no free agent who's a perfect fit. You even look at Kevin Gosman, who the Blue Jays ended up signing. He's not a perfect fit. Last year, fell off after the All-Star break. Not ideal numbers. It's not a perfect fit. It's just the most perfect fit for the Blue Jays. It's the best fit for the Blue Jays compared to other guys like Robbie Ray, who we all know the vaccination status stuff and that kind of stuff. So to me, that's the reason why it may not have totally worked for the Blue Jays and him, but overall still interesting to consider what may have been. And I still think it would have been an entertaining deal if it had happened. See, the only reason why I said I wouldn't make that bet is just because if something goes wrong, if he's not able to be what he is now, and if he, if that's not translatable over a full season, even without the Ryu injury, your rotation is really lacking, if, you know, if I be completely honest, if you do not have Verlander at the top of his game. And, you know, I think we all kind of debated this. I thought Brios was going to be the ace of the staff. I know we've all kind of you know, had differences in opinions on that, but if he had to be, I'm not saying that he couldn't be, but if he was right now, or if he was down the stretch in, during the season, I don't know how good of a position the Blue Jays would really be in. And that's not to say that Brios isn't good. I'm just saying that they need that that elite level pitcher, kind of like 2015, where they had David Price, even though they still had a good rotation. They had him as like the the much, much better guy. Like if you were looking at those tier rankings, like he would be the S tier pitcher on the staff whereas the other guys even if they were a and b they'd still be good but you have that top of the line starter and you know credit to justin verlander i mean look at this he's 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 old you know for in terms of <laughs> players like he's an older player he's coming off of a you know brutal surgery that has a lot of recovery aspects and a long recovery time and he's able to dominate right now would have been nice to see him but i don't know i think it's one of those things where it to me, and I could be totally wrong, but I think it has the the deal has the potential to be very high reward, and it clearly is right now. But if it's not high reward, then the byproducts of that are that the team is kind of lacking in terms of having that number one starter. And I mean, I didn't even mention this, but Alec Manoa, I guess he in theory could have been that number one. But I don't know. I think the decision that the Blue Jays made, if I were to go back in in November, December, I wouldn't have made a different decision. I think that what they did and like you said with the whole contract situation they want to be good for a lot of years they don't want somebody that's not here for or beyond i think is an option for next season they don't want somebody who's not here or that's not guaranteed to be here so i think this is the perfect fit given the circumstances what they did and, and who knows he you know maybe he doesn't pick up that option maybe he comes back or comes to toronto next season that would be <laughs> quite an interesting story but I think it it was the right decision to go out and get Kevin Gosman. His stuff is still nasty. I don't think that he's going to fall off anytime soon. So it's it definitely is interesting that I think we got this news halfway through the season or almost halfway through the season because now it brings up a whole can of worms of maybe there's the option of signing him in you know eight months. It's interesting you mentioned the number one guy in this rotation. I know we've had this debate, but Kevin Gosman... Right now, he's struggling a little bit. We know there was a stuff with tipping pitches. 
We know he changed his delivery a little bit. That's probably having an impact on his ability right now and his struggles. To me, Alec Manoa is the number one guy in this rotation. I don't think that's a hot take at all. You know, he has a ERA of exactly two, and he struggled in his start this past week against the Yankees. He struggled. He gave up four runs in, I think, a little bit over five innings um, or four innings, but that being his worst start of the season, excluding that, he's been absolutely phenomenal, and I think it's fair to say he's the ace of this team right now. Long term, yeah, I think that's also fair to say as well because he's a guy who's going to be be with this team as long as Kevin Gosman is here, as long as Jose Barrios is here. He's going to be with this team unless he gets traded. So I think it's fair to call him the ace right now, and I think he can have that crown for a indefinite amount of time until another pitcher proves otherwise. To me, he's the ace of this rotation. He's the guy you want on the mound in a winner-takes-all game. And that's different from what I said a couple weeks ago. And Jacob, you're probably very happy about that fact because you were arguing for Alec Manoa a bit ago. But I'm saying at the present moment, Alec Manoa is that guy. Because you go back a couple weeks and Kevin Gosman has those numbers as well. And to me, he's a little bit better than Alec Manoa. But just the way that things have transpired over the last couple weeks, how they've kind of swapped in their performance, or not even swapped. Kevin Gosman's gone downhill. Alec Manoa's gone from good to very good. Um, I think he's now the ace of this rotation. I'm sure you're happy to hear that. I told you, if it's a game seven, it's Alec Manoa. Or if it's a wild card, like winner take all game, it's Alec Manoa. But it's but... changed. It's changed over the last couple weeks. It always was Alec Manoa. I'll put it that way. (laughs) I don't know. But, like, we talk about this, but, you know, Jose Brios, like, well, the entire rotation, we can talk about how it's kind of scuffling right now, but Jose Brios has had fantastic starts the last little while. He, in his last one, seven innings against the Orioles. Okay, Orioles kind of are not the greatest team, but seven innings, three earned runs, eight innings against the Tigers, five uh, or excuse me, one earned run, two innings against the twi- or two earned runs, seven innings against the Twins. So he's definitely looking to rebound and has been for a while. And Alec Manoa, I, I don't know, his start was, it was okay against the Yankees, considering it was the Yankees. And really, he only got beat on a couple pitches. The one, I think it was Glaber Torres hit that bases clearing double. Really, aside from that, I think it was a, a pretty good start considering who it was. And He's he's had success over the Yankees in his career, so I mean it's it is what it is. I think it's water under the bridge for him, and he'll rebound. But even Kevin Gosman, when you when you're considered scuffling, but your ERA is still not bad at three twenty one, and you're still having you know a pretty good season, I, I'm still you know confident in this. And really, I mean you look at this other. So I think Kevin Gosman actually had the worst start of his Blue Jay career last time against the Orioles, where he only went two and a third seven runs five of them were earned but really aside from that the most he had allowed was four which was actually no that was last season the score is showing me last season so this season he yeah no the the most he had allowed this entire season is three so i think his numbers might be a little bit inflated just from that start however i'm not worried about him he's still throwing relatively good baseball and even when he's not you know we talk about that tipping pitches scenario he was still able to get outs and limit the the damage only three 
earned runs. I think it was against the Twins. So yeah, three earned runs. Like it's he's still having a good season. And I'll tell you what, if we can sit here and not agree on who the ace is of this staff, it's you know I'm I'm happy to have that problem. And it you know when this rotation is healthy, like it's been good pretty much all season, but. Now that the offense is starting to turn around, I think we're seeing what this team truly can do. And let's just hope. I think Gosman is slated to start tomorrow against the White Sox. I think it's Barrios today, tomorrow Gosman. So yeah, it'll be, I think, a good chance for him to rebound. And especially with the, the White Sox kind of struggling a little bit, it'll hopefully put him back on the right track. All right, so it's the time of the episode where we make series predictions. Um, lots of good pitchers on the mound for both teams for this set against the Chicago White Sox. I'm excited to be here in Chicago and seeing it in person. Tonight, it is Lance Lynn and Jose Brios on the mound. Tomorrow, it's Kevin Gosman on the mound for the Blue Jays and Dylan Cease for the White Sox. And then on Wednesday, the afternoon game, it's going to be Ross Stripling and Lucas Giolito. Who do you have for this series? A reminder that the White Sox are not that great so far. They're 31 and 33 on the season. Here's what, here's the thing. So you mentioned Lance Lynn. He just came back from injury. He had one start last week. He's a good starter. Let's not disagree on that, but or let's not get that wrong. But I think he's still going to need another start or two to really get in get in a groove, and especially against the Blue Jays, who are just going to you know just pound him completely. Like he even if he's good, he's still against you know one of the best offenses in the league. I I would say two out of three is probably likely. And I don't want to say a sweep because that's, you know, you don't really see sweeps that often. But I think realistically you need to take two out of three, especially after losing one out of three to the Yankees. You got to get back on track. You got to take advantage of these starts that you have out of really three of your top four starters. So, it, like, you need to take advantage of this. You need to take two out of three. Yeah, I think it'll be two or three. Um the White Sox, as much as their record might not indicate it, I think they are a good team, and maybe there's a bit of a hangover after the Yankees series. We've seen the Blue Jays take two of three from even worse teams like the Orioles. I'll go two of three. They got the pitching advantage, but you never know what's going to happen, so I'll go two or three. And Bryson isn't here with us this week, but he did record a little voice memo for us with his series prediction, so here it is. What's going on, Blue Jays fans? This is Bryson coming at you. Unfortunately, I was unable to join Mark and Jacob this week, so I figured I'd get involved and keep my three-year Ironman streak alive. Yes, it is a thing for people who don't know. I'm sure Mark and Jacob had a great time talking about that wild comeback win on Sunday against the Yankees 10-9, but I figured I'd chip in here and pitch in Give my series prediction. Uh, this upcoming series against the Chicago White Sox, you know the pitching matchup. You got Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday with Barrios, Gosman, and Stripling. I am saying two out of three of the Blue Jays take this continue or hopefully this win on this past Sunday was a momentum or the beginning of a momentum build for this team as they cruise through this road trip throughout the next week so anyways thank you for that and back to your usual scheduled programming with Mark and Jacob and we hopefully all three of us will catch you at the end of the series well there you go us three all in agreement on that um what we aren't in agreement on is whether this actually counts as maintaining the Ironman streak jacob and i think this does not bryson's viewpoint is that a plate appearance a pinch hit late in the game still counts for an actual Ironman streak in baseball it counts for a game played jacob and i believe that you need to 
start the game. You need to start the podcast in order for it to count for an Iron Man streak. So we're of the opinion that this breaks the Iron Man streak. I don't know. Reach out and let us know, and I guess we can decide the official record keeping that way. But I think that's a wrap on our podcast today. Thank you to everyone who listened to this episode and has stuck through with us over the last couple of weeks as we've been going through some travel difficulties and working and all that kind of stuff. So we appreciate it. As always, you can support our podcast by going to Apple Podcasts, giving us a rating and review. You can find us on social media at Section138Pod. That's on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. And until next week, until the end of this series against the Chicago White Sox, we'll catch you then.